This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big day for Toronto Maple Leafs fans. Also a big day for people who hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's the duality of of Leafs Nation. <laughs> because it is potential elimination day today. The Toronto Maple Leafs are down 3 nothing in their second round series against the Florida Panthers, who have a chance to sweep Toronto in round two tonight in Florida. Uh, there's a decently long break between games three and four and the media cycle and the narrative has been a lot lately i mean we've got the stars aren't showing up you know trade mitch marner trade william nylander uh who's injured you know who stays who goes who's gonna get fired uh who's to blame for all this mitch marner is coming out to the media saying we don't care what you guys say uh kind of ready for all this to be over if i if i'm being honest I kind of understand, too, uh, why sometimes when we talk about the Leafs or we have people on to talk about the Leafs, why Flames fans and people from Calgary get irritated. Um, I had a Matthew Kachuk story come out today uh, on TheAthletic.com, and I know it's tough for Flames fans. They don't want to hear about how great Matthew's been in the first round of the playoffs and the second round of the playoffs. Touchy subject here as well. But everyone's saying that I was doing it to just get on people in Toronto's nerves and saying, well, you know, you're just doing this for clicks, so people in Toronto will hate read. Nope, I'm just doing it because Kachuk's been playing well. So I kind of understand why people get frustrated with Toronto. Um, but in all seriousness, the, the stakes for this game tonight are incredibly high, uh, and there certainly will be some changes to come if they do get swept by the Florida Panthers, even if they lose in five, if they lose in six. Uh, will Sheldon be back? What about Kyle Dubas? Do they break up the core four who have not been able to get it done in the second round? I know it's tough because they played well in round one. They finally broke through. This year was supposed to be different. They finally exercised their demons. Well, it's a second round, and they haven't really shown up. Sure, Sergei Bobrovsky's playing really well, and we have to give credit to the Florida Panthers, and we certainly have been doing that on this program because they've been playing exceptionally well. But the Leaf Star players haven't been able to get it done, whether it's because uh, it's bad shooting luck or the goalie's pl- playing really well or they just aren't playing well. It doesn't really matter because the results aren't there, and they could be eliminated tonight in Game 4 in Florida. I'm not totally sure how this game's going to go. As I mentioned, the Leafs are up against it. Um, this is a big opportunity for their start players to show that they have what it takes to push back, not just in the media, but on the ice, to win games when it matters the most. But they're also starting Joseph Wall tonight, a rookie goalie. He has played well in the games that he's been in, in the regular season, the American Hockey League. He has proven to be a guy who can show up in these moments. Um, Ilya Simsonov is out, though. Matt Murray just hasn't been good enough. He's medically cleared, but he's going to be the backup. So the Leafs are going with Joseph Wall. And that'll be up against Sergei Bobrovsky, who is having a really good series for the Florida Panthers. And Kachuk and Sam Bennett have been wrecking balls. Anthony Duclair's a lot to handle. Um, Florida's got a lot going for them, and Toronto just hasn't looked good enough in round two. They could win this game tonight, but we're, the reality is is that their season's going to end in one of two ways. It's either going to be one of the greatest comebacks in playoff history, 
Because only four teams in NHL history have come back from being down 3 nothing in a best of seven. Or it's going to end in defeat. Maybe even tonight in a humiliating sweep. So lots to talk about with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Lots to get into about the future of this team. Uh, will they win tonight? What happens? Again, who stays, who goes? Uh, we can dive into all that later in the show because Luke Fox from Sportsnet is going to join us. He covers the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, for sportsnet.ca he'll join us later in the show but in the meantime we're going to focus on everybody else we're going to take a spin around the league with mike mckenna former nhl goalie for current analyst with the daily face-off mike how we doing oh hanging in there you know st louis missouri up and down weather all those things a little different than calgary but having a good time watching (laughs) this playoffs there's been plenty of action appreciate you having me on yeah of course always happy to have you on um you know, I, I was just kind of talking about the Leafs off the top here, and I know I'm going to talk about it later, but I've got to ask, like, is it over tonight for Toronto? Well, I don't know if it's over tonight, but it sure feels like it's over for the series. I mean, it's an absolute mountain that the Leafs would have to climb against a really inspired Florida Panthers team. I mean, uh, maybe we all underestimated what the Panthers were capable of considering how well they started to play from about January on and the fact that they had to win what seemingly felt like six games, seven games in a row to even make the playoffs, but they're playing with a ton of juice. The Panthers, to me, they play with a reckless and like an intentional recklessness that plays in their favor against Toronto because I don't think Toronto's been able to match it. I think Toronto's big dogs have fallen off by the wayside when Toronto when yeah. the Panthers have really pressed. And straight up, I think the Panthers are outworking the Leafs, even though the Leafs mm-hmm. have had opportunity. They've also been stymied by Bobrovsky, who's playing phenomenal. So I don't think it's over. But, boy, I don't think that the Leafs are going to get past the Panthers. Four games in a row is tough to do. Yep, especially, as you mentioned, like Sergei Bobrovsky. It's it's playoff Bob, right? How have you kind of seen him improve? I mean, because there was a point where it's the Alex Lyons show in Florida, and then Bobrovsky gets injected in, and, and he's kind of taken the net and run away with it. Um, I know there was lots of questions uh, in the goalie picture in Florida this season, last year, uh, there's always been a lot of talk and questions about Sergei Bobrovsky, but he is absolutely showing up in the first round. What have you made about, uh, not the first round, excuse me, in the playoffs? What have you made of, of his play? Well, he's been awesome. Um, and I tell you what, Bobrovsky's run this year really started in about that January time frame I spoke about earlier. He had a stretch two, three weeks in a row. The guy just couldn't lose, it felt like. And the Panthers are really starting to ride that momentum. And then he cooled off big time. And the team did as well. So it's kind of as the as Bobrovsky goes, as do the Panthers. Because for me, they're not the best defensive team in the league. They can get caught running around in their own defensive zone. They can be hyper-aggressive at times. And Bob has to bail them out. The thing about Bob is that he has this history of going on five, six, eight-game runs just lights out. The flip side to that, though, is that when he gets cold, he's gone stone cold this year a couple times. So Mm -hmm. if you're the Panthers, you're hoping that that doesn't happen and that if it does, it's only a blip on the radar. Um, But I think just in general, that club is finally rounded into form. They've been healthy. Um, You know, obviously having Barkov and Kachuk matters a ton, but even having Reinhardt and Bennett playing at stronger capability, Ekblad, Gudis, these guys that matter. I won't say they've made Bob's job easy. But I think Bob's been a little bit better insulated, enough to give him a chance to be able to steal games. I don't think he always had a chance to steal games this season. 
Um, but from a technical standpoint, man, he just he looks like the same old Bob. He's really explosive, um, sometimes to a fault. But when he's tracking the puck well, when he's getting square and getting his feet set early, the guy can make as many saves as anybody else in the National Hockey League. And, you know, looking on the other side of the ice, could be Joseph Wall for the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. Ilya Samsonov is hurt. Matt Murray hasn't played in more than a month. Wall just has 13 NHL games under his belt. And you had a column on Daily Faceoff, Mike, about why it should be Joseph Wall who gets a start. We, we learned today that it is indeed going to be him. Why do you think Joseph Wall is the guy for the Leafs uh, in game four? Well, just watch him play. Uh, and I think anybody that saw... The second, the last second and third periods of game three saw what he's capable of. Like Joseph Wolfson is 24 years old. His career arc is headed where it needs to at the Maple Leafs. He's on a three-year contract, the next two years of which are one way, which means that the team not only believes in him, but they think he's going to be in Toronto next year. And that's all in the past. In the present right now, I think Wolfson's the most consistent goaltender that the Leafs have. I've thought that from about the middle of the season on. His technical skill set, better than Samsonov by a long shot. Samsonov's not a very crisp goaltender, kind of a fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants type of goalie, whereas Wool is pretty structured. But where I like Wool and what I think makes him stand out above Matt Murray is that Wool is also pretty dynamic. He reads the game well. He's really intelligent. He doesn't just commit to drop and block. He has active hands. Um, he finds his posts when he needs to, his destinations. He's, he's typically in control of his game. And so for me, the numbers that he put up in the American League, a 932 save percentage, he was an all-star. Or sorry, 932 with the Leafs going 6-1. and one. He was also an all-star in the American Hockey League this year with the Toronto Marlies where he did nothing but win games. I think he's ready for this. He's a mature kid. I know him from St. Louis. I actually had the chance to coach him during the summers for four or five years, so full disclosure, I do have a vested interest in him. <laughs> but that's also the reason why I believe in him, because I know his demeanor. This is not too big of a moment for him. I think he has a good chance at success. But winning four right. games in a row, I don't know if anybody can pull that one off. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, let's table the Leafs conversation for a moment. Cause I, again, I did mention we're going to have Luke Fox join the show later, and we can dive into Toronto a little bit more with him. Um, I want to look at last night more specifically for a moment here, particularly with the Dallas Stars. They beat the Seattle Kraken 6-3. to They're up in that series. Miro Heiskanen was unbelievable last night, played over half the game. Why are the Dallas Stars better with Miro Heiskanen on the ice? He's just such an—he's such an effortless skater and puck mover, and you know you look at Heiskanen's goal totals and they're not flashy, and that's typically what'll put people in the mix uh, when you think about the elite defensemen is that they still got to score some goals. Well, Heiskanen is not a goal-scoring machine, but he's a solid all-around producer in every category. And I'll tell you, I had him very high on my Norris. Uh, trophy candidate list. I voted for him. I won't tell you the position, but it was really towards the point yet. And I think you could kind of see it with Dallas that without Heisken in the lineup, it's not like they don't have capable D, but they don't have the same type of, of, like I say, fluid, effortless skater like Heisken. When he gets the puck on his stick, he typically makes the right decision. He's not afraid to take three or four strides and be patient with the puck. He rarely throws it away. Uh, And I think he defends people defends better than people realize because his again those feet his closing rate is so good his stick is solid um but to me he's just a really really heads up smart player and you know that's why some people have compared him to 
the gold standard, Nicholas Lindstrom, because Heiskanen didn't get a whole lot of fanfare this year. He went about his business very quietly. He flies under the radar big time. But Pete DeBoer, the head coach of Dallas, loves to have a horse of a defenseman. He had it with Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo in Vegas. He had it with Eric Carlson and Brent Burns in San Jose. He loves to have that type of D and rely on him. But in best case, I think Heiskanen, head and shoulders, is Dallas's best D. And a lot of nights, he has been one of their most valuable players. And they're pretty close to punching their ticket. I mean, the series is tied 2-2. But I think I've hopped all the way on the Stars bandwagon. So they're, what, two wins away from making it to the Final Four. The Seattle Kraken are, you know, not to be taken lightly. We've talked about them a lot on this program as well. That's a good team. I think they've been a pleasant surprise for a lot of people. But the Dallas Stars, to me, are one of the teams that I've been able to kind of latch on to as a legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Maybe I'm just jumping on the bandwagon. Maybe I'm overreacting to a 6-3 win here. But uh, do you like Dallas? Like, are, When you're looking at who are the teams that you look at and say, yep, I think they could legitimately do this. Like, Are you looking at the Stars? Are you looking at Florida now? Maybe it's Vegas. It's pretty wide open, I would say, right now with, with Boston out, with you know, Tampa out with Colorado out. I could, I think you could make a case for anybody, but I've particularly been latching on to the stars lately. Well, Haley, I agree with you. And I actually, a couple of months ago, picked the Dallas stars to win it all. This is a month ago. Mm. I said, bet on the Dallas stars to make a deep playoff run. And, you know, my reasoning for it was I actually thought that the Colorado avalanche, and the Dallas stars were going to be the two teams likely to come out of the Western conference. This was also before, uh, anybody knew Gabe Landeskog wasn't going to be able to play in playoffs, and now we know he's going to miss the entire next season, which is just a crushing blow for the Avalanche, but more so for Landeskog himself. I mean, imagine missing two years of hockey, potentially um, trying to recover from a knee injury. Just just terrible. You know, you feel for the guy. But um, when you look at Dallas, a lot of the season they had the best five-on-five line in the league, hence Robertson Pavelski. But it's funny because when Pavelski went out of the lineup, suffered a head injury in the first round, missed some games, comes back in the lineup. He's not playing with Hinson Robertson as much anymore. He's been playing on a second line with Marchment and Domi. Now, Marchment also left the game <laughs> last time out, so we don't know how that's going to look. But what I think it's done, it's really given Dallas that three lines, three and a half lines of depth that can all score and a bit of grind on the fourth and shut down into guys like Radic Foxa. You know, Dodonoff has done well at the trade since the trade deadline. Domi got a little juice playing with Kovalski. And a lot of people just forget how good Essa Lindell is on D. And Yanni Hockenpah is also a big body. Unfortunately, he might be battling injury. He missed the last game, too. So, to me, if there's anything with Dallas that will doom them, it will be injuries. Because if they're a solid, healthy lineup for me, they're they're deep, they're diverse in what they can do. And they got an X factor in Jake Ottinger. He's had a couple of off games, but I still think he might be the top goaltender that's left in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I want to get into that for a second here because I've talked about this on the show before and I want to get like a former goalie and a goalie analyst take on this. There aren't that many big goalies left right now. Like we are looking at round two and it's Joseph Wall. It's Sergei Bobrovsky, who's played well. It's Jake Ottinger, who's done well. It's Philip Grubauer. Uh, I mean, it's Vitek Vanacek and Akira Schmidt. We're not looking at... Ilya Sorokin and Andre Vasilevsky, Connor Hellebuck. Um, we're not looking at the Vesna caliber goalies right now. And so I'm kind of curious, like, do we overrate the value of the goalie in a playoff round sometimes? Like, 
I think sometimes when we have conversations about goaltenders and their value to a team, it, it can almost go too far in each direction. It's like, well, Connor Hellebuck is the only reason why the Winnipeg Jets are good, and that's a bad thing when it's not. You know, the goalie's on the team too. Or you swing in the direction of, well, I think the Winnipeg Jets could upset a team if Connor Hellebuck plays really well. Well, that's not true because you need everyone else to do what they need to do. Like, it's it's a weird conversation, but I'm just curious when we're looking at the playoffs and how many people maybe picked the Islanders to upset the Canes because of Ilya Sorokin. Like, do we overrate those guys sometimes too much? Well, I'm guilty as charged because I pretty much picked the Islanders to go over the Canes for that reason. Um, <laughs> but here's the reason. Here's the thing, though. Like, and me being a former goaltender, I think people would usually look towards my opinion saying, yeah, goalies matter that much. They can steal everything. That's all that matters. And it's really not the case. I, I've always said this that I think goalies receive more credit than they deserve when things are going well. And they typically don't get enough credit when things aren't going well. You know, most often the goaltender doesn't make as much of a difference in a game as a lot of people lump on them. It's kind of the same way as referees. Okay. People think referees (laughs) can completely change a game and screw a team and they've got it out for their franchise. And nah, they really don't. You still got to win the game no matter who's on the ice. So I, I think that you can still see goalies steal a game. It's tough to steal a series, to be that consistent over a four- to six-game, seven-game series. And look at the Carolina Hurricanes. Like, honestly, it doesn't even matter who's in goal for them right now. It really doesn't, whether it's Anderson or Ranta. It doesn't matter. I I will say for the Devils, though, they need a bit more, okay? Mm -hmm. Vanacek has, has not been great. Schmid had a nice little run. They figured him out. You're back to Vanacek. Now it looks like Schmid again. Um I think we're just seeing nowadays that there isn't a big performance delta between NHL goalies. Goalies are good. And when they say there's not superstar goalies anymore, yeah, there's still a handful. But it's it's only because the rest of the pack has gotten that much better. It's hard to be that right. head and shoulders above everybody else. Even Andre Vasilevsky, best money goalie in the world, he said, you know what, after this playoffs, I've done it. I've done too much. I'm going home. I'm not. I'm going to rest for like seven weeks. <laughs> he hasn't ever done that. Okay. So I, I do think goalies receive too much credit a lot of the time, but you still can see it, especially if you're going into game seven, you really want to have that ace in the hole, right? You sure. want to have that goal you believe in because you get to that point, all bets are off and you get further along. You need to have the goaltending. Right. It's the, you know, we would always do the anonymous player polls at the athletic all the time. And the one question, like without a doubt, it didn't matter if he was playing poorly that season. When you ask the question, who do you want in goal game seven, Stanley cup final, and everyone would say Carey Price. And that one of those years, Carey, like the year that he ended up on the, the great run with, with the Habs, they get all the way to the cup final and, and lose to Tampa. Carey Price was pedestrian the regular season, if not bad, but he gets to the playoffs and he flipped that switch and he was the guy. But it wasn't just Carey Price who was getting there. Sure, he stole the games and, and he is the ace in the hole you want in a game seven, but there's a lot that went well for, for the Habs that year. But that I think that was one of the few goalies where you could look and be like, if I want a guy to steal me a game, it's Carey Price. Obviously, he's not playing anymore, but he might be the, one of the only ones that you could convince me could could steal a series or <laughs> take uh, you all the way to the cup final because he's know, done Haley, it. It's funny, 
it's funny how this has transitioned a little bit, though, because it used to be before Price, it was Jonathan Quick. Everybody would want Jonathan Quick, and he's still in the game. He's not even dressed yeah. for the Vegas Golden Knights right now, or hadn't right. been until Laurent Persuade was injured. And at that time, 2012, 2014, Quick was just a monster. But the, mm-hmm. the position has also evolved from a technical perspective to the point where you need consistency. You need a goalie that you know is going to go in there and, and one, not allow any bad goals, but two, make two or three saves a game that they shouldn't make. And right. I'll give you a great example. Like Edmonton hasn't gotten that out of Stuart Skinner. Okay, mm-hmm. I am a huge fan of Stuart Skinner. I think he's done a great job for that team this year, but the playoffs haven't been as good as they need to be for him or for his team. They need a big save every now and then, and they haven't gotten it. And I wonder, in this series against the Vegas Golden Knights, with Skinner sitting at an 888 save percentage, and Jack Campbell with a career 918 in the playoffs, and Jack Campbell also being career 5-1 and one against the Vegas Golden Knights, and Skinner having an 878 career against the Golden Knights, does Woodcroft go to Jack Campbell for game four tonight? You know, like, we may not see that. I don't think it's going to happen. But, boy, I would like that. I think that would be a great play. But it just kind of, again, shows to me, every team needs two goaltenders. You need to be able yeah. to play both comfortably. But the best ones are always the ones nowadays that are not only the most consistent, they make the saves you need, but they always tack on two or three extra. Well, it's interesting that you bring up the Edmonton-Vegas series and, and needing two goalies. I mean, the Golden Knights have have a couple because, uh, you know, it's it's really tough to see, actually. Uh, Laurent Brossois, he goes down in Game 3. He absolutely battled to get back from hip surgery, was playing really good hockey down the stretch uh, and in the first round start of the playoffs here. Now it's Aiden Hill that gets tapped to start Game 4. As you mentioned, they have Jonathan Quick, who's their number 3 goalie at this point, and Logan Thompson's kicking around. Uh, they, so they've got the numbers in the crease. They've got the goalie depth. But what do you make of Aiden Hill kind of stepping in for the Golden Knights and what he's been able to show to this point? I was really, really impressed with what Aiden Hill did uh, in Game 3 of the series. Coming in cold, he did play a little bit the game before when Laurent Brossois was relieved of his duties early in the game. Um, but after Brossois got hurt uh, in Game 3, it was all Hill. And, you know, this is just kind of a culmination of the, the latter half of the season for Hill. At the start of the year, his numbers looked great, but the eye test wasn't very good, if you ask me. He was on his back. He was on his stomach. He was swimming. He was moving all he, – he just wasn't in control. And – I thought as the year went on, his read started to get better. He spent less time on his backside. He just looked more confident. And I think it's because he got to play games in a row, but then he got hurt. And that was the big X factor. How does he recover from being hurt? Well, Hill came back, and he's played really well, even though he took, I don't know, a month off. He had some time at Henderson in the American Hockey League during one game, played a couple periods. But what I've seen so far is just a continuation of what I saw when Hill had his good run towards the end of the regular season when he was still healthy and available. And that's pretty cool because he's a big body. It's just, it's always been a question of can he get his skating and his comfort level up to what it needs to be. I've seen improvement in that, but more than anything, his reads have been good. And he just hasn't been out of whack. If he's just making saves, making it easy, eating pucks, getting whistles, that's what Vegas needs. Cassidy's system keeps pucks to the outside. Hill did a real good job of managing his rebounds last game. He's going to have to continue that tonight in game four. And I did just see Stuart Skinner starting, not Jack Campbell. So okay. let's keep that one in the back of our minds here. That <laughs> Stu is in the net, not Campbell. The guy on the bench has amazing numbers against the Golden Knights and in playoffs, but he's not going. 
Yeah, and just pulling up Evolving Hockey here as well. I mean, it, in all situations, Stuart Skinner has allowed just under four goals, uh, negative four goals saved above expected. So he is not saving. Like when you talk about he needs to make the saves he's got to make, he's not doing that. Uh, and he's doing that at a rate that only Vitek Vanacek is worse at <laughs> right now. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see what happens tonight. Maybe he'll be on a short leash. Maybe if the Golden Knights get a couple quick ones early, we'll see Jack Campbell. Uh, maybe we'll see Campbell in game five. It's been interesting to watch the way that certain coaches have rolled out their goalies or dealt with you know, this kind of goalie question, right? I think maybe one of the reasons why the Boston Bruins – are not playing right now is, um, you know, they, they didn't switch. Jim Montgomery didn't play the goalie cards right. And then you look on the other side of the bench or the other side of the ice, excuse me, in that series, and, and we saw the way Paul Maurice knew when to pull the plug on Alex Lyon and put in Sergei Bobrovsky, who's now playing excellent hockey right now. So it's been interesting to track that. Um, you know, we've got a couple more minutes left here with you, Mike. I've got to, I want to go to the Oilers side of things. They've got a chance to tie the series up. You already talked about the goalie situation. We know it's going to be Stuart Skinner. What else do the Oilers need to do tonight to tie up the series other than just keep scoring on the power play? Yeah, well, that's the hard part is they can't keep scoring their way out of these problems. And I had a piece out today at Daily Faceoff that outlined the five things I need the Oilers. I think the Oilers need to do to not just win Game Four, but to beat the Vegas Golden Knights. And one of those was I did think for Game Four they should go to Jack Campbell. So strike one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and who knows how that's going to play? I, I honestly, I hope Stuart Skinner goes in and plays a fantastic game. This is never anything that's personal. I just, I thought that it made sense to go to Campbell for this game, but. The other four things for me is that, first off, the Oilers have to be better around their own net. Last game in Game 3, they allowed 13 shots from right in front of the net. And that's where three of the five Vegas Golden Knights goals were scored. You just simply can't let life be comfortable for your opposition in that area. The other thing is that they're letting Vegas enter their defenses zone way too easily. Vegas scored three of their last, three of their five goals in Game 3 off clean zone entries for the last five. I apologize in that game. For me, the Oilers have a nasty habit. When they get their two four-checkers stuck deep in the offensive zone, they only have three players back in the neutral zone to try to slow down the Vegas rush. And Vegas is very, very good in transition. It's one of their bread and butters. So I think that, one, the Oilers have to be really diligent in how they play in the neutral zone. They've got to slow Vegas down. They've got to be better in front of their own net. And they really have to stop relying on the power play. Like They have to get it done five on five. There's no way around it that – Vegas is one was the most disciplined team in the NHL this year. Penalty minutes per games played, Vegas bottom of the list. So Vegas or Edmonton simply cannot rely on that power play to be able to knock off Vegas. So they need better awareness in the defensive zone. Too many blown coverages. Uh, they need more intensity in front of their own net. They've got to slow down Vegas going through the neutral zone. And we already saw it. They're not going to switch goaltenders. So let's hope for a big game tonight from Stuart Skinner. <laughs> All right. Great stuff, Mike. We're going to we got to head to a quick break, so we're going to let you go. But I, I always appreciate you coming on uh, and taking the time to, you know, spin around the league with us. I appreciate it. Anytime. Happy to come on. Thanks for having me. Of course. There goes Mike McKenna, former NHL goalie, current analyst with Daily Faceoff. He joined us there on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. You can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast, takeout or delivery at 403 248 
3344. Uh, I always like to pick a goalie's brain uh, on certain things like this. Like, you know, who's going to be the best goalie tandems? Who should be starting these games? I kind of agree. I mean, Stuart Skinner wasn't great in game three, but he's getting tapped again in game four. Maybe that confidence from his coach will help propel him to a better performance in game four. Uh, but the Edmonton Oilers tonight are going to try to tie their series up 2-2 against the Golden Knights who lead the series right now. Two to one, and as we mentioned, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Will they be eliminated? Will they extend the series? Can they make a big comeback? Those are the big questions in Toronto. We're going to dive into that a little bit more with Luke Fox when he joins us coming up next here on Hockey Central and Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, two games on tap tonight in the NHL. Toronto Maple Leafs will try to avoid elimination against the Florida Panthers. That game goes at 5 o'clock. And later in the evening, 8 o'clock puck drop, the Edmonton Oilers will try to even its series against Vegas. On the other side of things, the Golden Knights will try to go up 3-1 to one against the Edmonton Oilers. Um... We had a good chat with Mike McKenna, took a rip around the league, and now we're going to dive back in a little bit more into the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's a big game tonight for people who love the Leafs and people who hate the Leafs. There's a lot to lots to root for in this game, I guess you could say, tonight as we go to the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline, and we're joined by Luke Fox from Sportsnet.ca. Luke, thanks for joining us. How are we feeling today? What's the what's the uh, vibe like over there? <laughs> yeah, the vibe is pretty interesting. It's it's pretty tense, and, and thanks for having me on, Haley. Uh, the vibes in, in the in the Panthers' room are incredibly loose and free. There's a confidence there. They've won six games in a row. They got their goaltender, Sergei Bobrovsky, having the best stretch he's had all season. He looks like he's actually worth $10 million. And Kachuk was even saying that during game three, which was tight, they were, t- they were trailing, they were tied, they were trailing, they were tied the guys were actually laughing and, and having fun on the bench and you walk down the hall and it's a completely different scene in the Leafs dressing room. There is a tightness about this group, an urgency, a desperation. Uh, you know, their confidence is shaken right now and they're focusing on just trying to get one win uh, to claw back in the series. Only four teams in the history of the NHL have ever come back from uh an 0-3 deficit to take a seven-game series. And you have to wonder if this is the group that can be the fifth because right now they're they're frustrated. They're gripping their sticks. Their scorers aren't scoring. And all of a sudden they're making lineup changes and they're starting a rookie in goal tonight. So it's <laughs> going to be an interesting night at the hockey rink no matter how this shakes out. And it's interesting you mentioned, you know, they've, they've got to play desperate. And I'm not convinced that I've seen the Leafs play desperate must-win We've got to do this, you know, kick ourselves in the butt hockey, except for maybe that, like, 10-minute stretch in the game against Tampa. They are down 4-1 in the game. They come back. They win 5-4 in overtime. That was probably the best stretch of hockey, like, the most exciting stretch of hockey I've watched in a while. And it was so fleeting for Toronto. And I think that's what makes this team so frustrating for for fans, for media trying to, you know, analyze and write about this team is that you've seen pockets of them being able to do it they've had good games they've had good periods they've had good 10 minutes but like I still don't know if this is a group that can go out in game four in Florida and play the kind of desperate high stakes hockey it's going to take 
to make the series go a little bit further. I'm happy to be proven wrong, but I don't know if I've seen, I haven't been convinced that they're going to be able to pull off what is needed here. No, exactly. And you're not the only one. I think a lot of people are making that observation, right? And, and that's the, been the frustration with this group is the highs are so high. Like when they're feeling it and the pucks are going in and, and they're on their game, they're so dynamic. They're so fast. They're so frightening offensively. But that hasn't been there for a while now, right? Like, so they played nine playoff games. They've won one in regulation, uh, they last five games, they haven't scored more than two goals. And that's just not a recipe for success for these Leafs, for a team that pumped ha- about half its salary cap into four dynamic forwards. And the next highest paid guy is an offensive defenseman in Morgan Riley, who, by the way, I think his, his postseason has been fabulous. I think he's been the best and most consistent Leaf. But when you invest so much of your, your money and your effort into guys who are there to produce offense and the offense isn't coming, uh, it's hard to have success. And so that, that's the thing here. Like, they're going to have to get going offensively. The Panthers' forecheck is giving them fits in their own zone. Um, they're fast and they're heavy, and they make it difficult for the Leafs to get clean breakouts. So if they're spending all the time in their own zone and not, you know, transitioning with enough speed and getting second and third looks around Bobrovsky – it's been tough to, to generate that scoring. Now, I, I do believe they're capable of it. I mean, you look at the two rosters on paper and you, you say, be surprised to say that one side is, is up three games to zero. But I, I think now it's, it's a matter of men, mentally and, mm-hmm. and, quite frankly, a little bit of heart and character. Like, they play for some pride in that crest in front of your sweater. Like, I feel bad for Leaf fans that this is kind of the way things have turned after – what was it, nine, ten days ago in Tampa, and they finally yeah. went round one. Everyone felt on top of the world, and it's taken a sharp turn here. Right. I mean, this was the year that was going to be different, right? The demons were exercised. Are we going to see a different level of the playoff Toronto Maple Leafs get unlocked? I mean, that was something that I kind of questioned when we were doing our our second-round predictions. Like, are we going to see an even better leveled-up version of this team now that they don't have the mental weight of, oh, God, can we get out of the first round? And we just haven't seen that. Sure, you can say, you know, it's a small sample size and, and you know, they're still getting their chances and, and their expected goals are great, but they're down 3 nothing. Like, it's a small sample size if you get swept in, in the second round of the playoffs, right? It's four games. They haven't won one yet. Um, the core four have been under fire. You know, we're, we're seeing that Sheldon Keefe is going to keep Matthews and Marner together on the top line. They're swapping out uh, Michael Bunting in favor of Kelly Yarncroke. Alex Kerfoot's moving up into the top six uh, for some of that defensive balance. Bunting's down to the O'Reilly line. Do you think these changes are going to be enough? Like, is this almost living and dying by the duo of Matthews and Marner who haven't really been able to get it done through these first three games the well, second round? I know absolutely it's living and dying by them. And they had a horrible game three. It was, it was their worst game of the playoffs by, by far. Uh, yeah, Matthews hit a, a crossbar early, but they spent a lot of time in their own zone and they weren't getting many good shots. Um, so, yes, I, I, you know, I respect what Keith is doing. I, I think there's certainly a case to be made to, to split them up after uh, game three's performance or even split them up in game three. And he can always make changes as, as game four goes along here. But I also respect 
Keith's decision in that his job might be on the line with the results here. Like, it's not, I don't think it's, you know, stretching the imagination to say that if they lose tonight, this might be his last game as a head coach of these Maple Leafs. So if you're going to go out, you got to go out with the team that you think gives you the best chance to win. So he thinks Matthews and Marner have had their best hockey as a whole together, and it's hard to deny that. So he's banking on that. And maybe it's a bit of a challenge to them too, right? Like, this is your team, guys. You are the top two guys on this team. You are in your prime. This is a do-or-die game. Lean on each other. Get it done together. Uh, so you could see it as a, as a challenge for him and, and also just keeps best, best chance in his mind to get it done. Now, they've also made some other changes. They broke up TJ Brody and Jake McCabe, who had been their go-to shutdown pair through the first nine games of the postseason. And all of a sudden, those guys are split. And TJ Brody, who had been playing the right, is now playing the left with Justin Hall. And that's the new shutdown pair. So this is the kind of uh, panic or, uh, you know, urgency that, that Keith is under. He feels he has to make adjustments right now. Do you think uh, Joseph Wall kind of has what it takes to, to backstop a, a big comeback here? It's a tough situation for a young player to be put into there's no question about that but I kind of liked what I saw from him in the games that he got in the NHL this season and he was a good American Hockey League goalie I think he's proven I mean we all had the debate at the end of the season right when he when he played really well and people were like he should be the backup regardless of whether Matt Murray is healthy or not like he is the better goalie he's the number two uh how do you think he's feeling heading into this and how much confidence should uh, Leafs fans and people watching this have in Joseph Wall yeah, I mean, we're going to find out. It, it's quite a, a stage to put a kid in. Like, he hasn't had much NHL experience. It's certainly not, you know, big, high-pressure experience like this. But I will tell you, he has the right mindset for it. He's very much living in the moment. Uh, you know, someone tried to ask him a question, but what was the last, like, really big, high-pressure game you played? And it's something. He couldn't think of it right away. And he said, really, I'm just thinking about stopping the next puck. Why not? My mind's not on that my path that got me here or the future and where I'm going to be with this organization. All I'm thinking about is this game. So I really like that from him. He seems to have a a strong internal belief. You know, Austin Matthews has played with this kid since their junior days. Sheldon Keith has given him an endorsement. And what bigger endorsement than to pass over a healthy Matt Murray and give the reins to a kid when your big off season splash was getting Matt Murray because he has two cup rings. So he took, those, uh, he took those endorsements from the coach and the teammates, and he said, that's great, but what I've learned is internal belief is stronger. And I thought that was such a, a mature comment to come from a, the mouth of a 24-year-old. And the mental side of his game has taken a big step, he says. You know, he stays off social media. He's gotten really into meditation. And he always had the athleticism, but he figures the work that he's done on his mental game has made him a better goalie. And the proof is he's had his best season as a pro. Now, does that mean he's going to outdo Bobrovsky in the series? That's a, a pretty tough task, but I, I think he's up for the challenge. I don't think, you know, sure, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs could win this game. I think could they win the series is the bigger question, and only four teams in NHL history have ever come back from being down 3 nothing in a best of seven. I think people will 
you know, people are trying to look at other teams who've made big comebacks. You know, the L.A. Kings did it. The 2010 Philadelphia Flyers did it. But, I mean, the, the stars in that Flyers series showed up. And in L.A., they had guys who'd won before, and they had guys who were battle-tested, and Jonathan Quick was unbelievable. So I think to, I think it's fair to say that the Leafs are up against it, and I'm just wondering, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves here, but it could end pretty quickly. Would this be the most disappointing year for this Leafs core because of the fact that the demons were exercised and this year is going to be different. They have all the talent in the world. They added guys, even though their cap was completely tight. Kyle Dubas added some grit. They actually did things differently this year, which I think makes this year all the more disappointing, even though they did make it to the second round. Yeah. I mean, I guess we're power ranking sadness, right? <laughs> for Leaf Nation. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it's tough to say, you know what the Montreal one being up three, one against yeah. the lowest seed in the Canadian division and their path to the Stanley cup, uh, the, the same path that Canadians ended up taking was there for them. Like they could have gone all the way to the final uh, in that year that just the way they were rolling and then to have, uh, a massive series lead and lose to a team that many thought was inferior to them and to make some costly, costly mistakes and overtimes and stuff. That was, that was pretty disappointing at the time. What I would say about this one is it will probably have the most repercussions. Like somehow Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan were able to sell the run it back uh, scenario, not only after that Montreal one, but also the, um, the Tampa series last year where they were competitive and took it to seven, but I think they can't sell that anymore. I, I think this, this will be the most drastic loss playoff loss of, uh, of this era. And, you know, I already mentioned the coach, but it could extend to the front office. It could very well extend to the core four forwards. And if a new set of eyes takes a look at this roster and wants to create more balance and, actually pay someone a bit a bit of money to play defense that could happen so there there will be changes afoot if they go out in four or five here it's such a tough one and i'm sorry to put you on the spot with this but looking ahead like at that summer of change that could be coming like who's the guy in that core that is not just the easiest to move but also gets you the most value like we, we talk about the core four all the time and who could be on the move, who stays, who goes. But I wonder, like, who's the most realistic one? Well, Nylander's the most realistic one, but, I, when it, you know, you hate, to, you hate to throw him under the bus. That's not because he's yeah. not a, a great talent. I mean, he's coming off a 40-goal season. He's, he's played amazing, and he's, he's probably been uh, the most impactful of the four in this series. But just his cap hit is under $7 million. He's playing above what he earns. Uh, that makes it easier. And he also doesn't have the, the type of trade protection that the other guys are going to have kicking in July 1st. You know, it's going to be, they're going to have to sign off on trading if, if you wait till after July 1st. And Nylander needs a new contract and a, a big raise. He has only one more season beyond this one on his deal. Um, so, Cost-wise, he's, he's going to go up. And I also think, you know, there would be tons of teams that want him. So he'd probably be the easiest to move. A Matthews deal, it would be earth-shattering. Um, yeah. so he's, always said that, he's always said he loves Toronto. And the Leafs have always loved having him. He's the number one center in his prime. He just won the Hart Trophy. But they're facing a very tricky situation because he's going to have a full no-move kick in on July 1. 
and they have to know. They have to know his number and if he's going to resign, and they can't let that linger in and walk him out the door. Nope, you can't have a Matthew Kachuk situation <laughs> sneak up on yeah. you with Austin Matthews when he has a no-move clause. Uh, great stuff, Luke. It's going to be an interesting summer, I think, in Toronto, regardless if they win tonight. Uh, hey, maybe they'll win the series. Maybe they will shock us all, but I think there's going to be lots to dig into with the Toronto Maple Leafs over the next couple of weeks. Thanks for doing this. All right, thanks for having me on. Enjoy the game. Thank you. You too. Have fun. There goes Luke Fox from Sportsnet.ca, covers the Toronto Maple Leafs, does some national stuff as well. He joined us there on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. I think it's interesting. I think the debate between who goes in the core four is probably between Nylander and Marner. And I think people like to pile on on both of those guys. It's two different camps. Uh, Nylander is probably easier to move because his cap hit is, you know, more... It's easier to fit under the cap, but I almost wonder if it's Mitch Marner because if you trade him, then you can add more because you shed more salary. Like I said, it's going to be interesting. Lots to dig into with the Leafs. Uh, if they they win tonight, if they lose tonight, always something to talk about with Toronto. Uh, but we've got to get out of here. We've got a, lots of stuff coming up here today on Sports at 960, the Hockey PDO cast, Flames Talk, and again, two games on tap in the NHL tonight. Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Florida Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights and the Edmonton Oilers. And we'll Talk about all those games. We'll react some more, look ahead some more tomorrow on Hockey Central and Sports at 960 Fan.